It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Ladies and gentlemen, we're taking the podcast on the road this season, and we want you to come with us. We're heading to Tampa, we're heading to Nashville, we're heading to New Orleans, and maybe a couple other surprises. Thanks to fansofphilly.com, that's P-H-A-N-S, fansofphilly.com. They put all the packages together for us, and we're going to hit the road. Set it and forget it. Four-star hotels, direct flights, tickets to the game, tailgates, pregame festivities, and can be a part of our show's as we're there the whole weekend, wherever we are going. Fansofphilly.com. Make sure you use the code BGN so we all stick together and come have fun with us as we cheer on our Super Bowl champion, Philadelphia Eagles, and take over every stadium that we are in this season. Fansofphilly.com. Promo code BGN. Michael Kiss. Hey, somebody has run out on the field. Some goofball in a hat. And Benjamin Solak. I know it's a big night when he asked for honey. He said he wants honey. It's the Kiss and Solak Show. I love those guys. Right here on BGN Radio. You are flying high on the Kissed and Solak Show. This is episode 34, brought to you by the fine folks at BGN Radio. I am your host, Michael Kist. You can follow my work at InsideThePylon.com, BleedingGreenNation.com. Follow me on Twitter at Michael Kist, NFL, that's K-I-S-T, as always. I'm joined by the best doggone co-host in the game, Mr. Seven-Year Streak Without a Bad Day, he is Benjamin Solak of Bleeding Green Nation, and NDTScouting.com is where you can find his excellent draft work. Follow him on Twitter at Benjamin Solak, that's S-O-L-A-K, Ben. How you doing, brother? Oh, every day is a good day to be alive, Mike, especially when it is Danelle Pumphrey Day, episode 34. Happy <laughs> Danelle Pumphrey is that his Day number? everybody. I don't know how uh, you are observing, but I'm observing by continuing to be a small person. That is my remembrance of <laughs> Danelle Pumphrey uh, and, and his legacy as a Philadelphia Eagle. But no, yeah, uh, Pump is my dude. For those of you who don't know, because this is, uh, I don't know how much we've discussed Pumphrey on the Kist and Solak show now with BGN Radio, but I had a very high grade on Danelle Pumphrey coming out of college, uh, coming out of, of San Diego State. I was a really big fan of his game, and I still think he's going to be quite the good player. Uh, I'd probably expect that if he's healthy, and Mike's making a face at me right now. But I do, I believe, so happy Danelle Pumphrey Day. <laughs> I am not as sold as Ben. Ben, how's your summer uh, uh, assessments going for the new prospects coming out for the 2019 draft? Have you have you cracked any eggs yet? Uh, no, I, I've not done one senior assessment mike i'm or one yeah one summer senior assessment i'm still going through the eagles entire uh draft class and their udfas Beauty. uh and then today instead of doing film work on i was trying to wrap up matt Pryor, uh that offensive tackle out of tcu who we're gonna have to talk about him mike because i think there's something there uh instead of doing the more uh finishing the film work on him i actually spent the day watching 
the young defensive tackles the Eagles already have on the roster uh, because we have we got to talk about some of these players because there was some significant news that broke for Philadelphia today. Yeah, and it was reported today that, quote, Eagles starting defensive tackle Timmy Jernigan underwent surgery on a herniated disc in his back last week and is expected to be out four to six months. Uh, that timetable puts Jernigan's return around week one or into early November. So here's the deal with that. Number one, you're going to want to listen to episode 313 of BGN Radio. They have an update, a very important update, an update that's so secret, we don't even know about it, but I'm sure it's going to blow your butt off. But here's what we know as we're recording on Thursday night. So uh, number one, back injuries, incredibly worrisome for big fellows like Jernigan. And because the injury was suffered in March during an offseason workout, the Eagles could have cut him and declined to pay him. Instead, the Eagles have restructured the contract, which Jernigan was very willing to do considering he had zero leverage whatsoever. Uh, and they will pay him $3 million uh, guaranteed this season for sure. Uh, but then they are off the hook for $11 million guaranteed next season, which was part of his four-year extension. So starting from 2019, all the additional years are, op are option years, which the Eagles can pick up or decline. So, for instance, let's say that the back doesn't get better and they cut him in the offseason. None of that future money is guaranteed. So they, can, they aren't on the hook for any of it. However, if the back checks out and the Eagles want to bring him back, they can do so for $11 million in 2019, $12 million in 2020, and another $12 million in 2020, uh, 2021. Uh, so Jernigan was a key piece of this interior defensive line in 2017. No matter how you put it, this is a blow for sure. However, our job here is to relay the details of that and evaluate the impact moving moving forward. So we're going to do that. And Ben, before I have you chime in with a guy that I know that you like, let's talk about some of the options here, that, uh, what we can do to replace some of Jernigan's snaps. Uh, for instance, Brandon Graham has kicked inside a good deal. That helps. Michael Bennett played a lot of four-eye at Seattle, which is the inside shade on the tackle. Quite a lot for the Seahawks on both run and pass down, so he's also accustomed to life inside. There are options there. You throw in the recently acquired Haloti Nada. That helps. I'm not trying to dismiss the, the, the Jernigan injury at all as if it's nothing. There's obviously going to be an effect on this defense, but there are ways to deal with it, Ben, including some depth guys who you've been high on since we've started talking regularly about the Eagles nearly a year ago. So Ben, the floor is yours, my friend. Yeah. So well, we talk, uh, we'll start with just talking about, you know, Jernigan. There's been a little bit of discussion about what the injury was and kind of how it came about, you know, because obviously this like middle of season injury, it's very uh, confusing. And like, you know, there's, there's no real information as to what he was doing. And so obviously that's like causes some consternation. And then also, you know, after he had an ankle injury in the middle of the season, Mike, if you remember, uh, and, and following that injury, he, he kind of, uh, you know, his, his production didn't really drop off, but he doesn't really play a, a, a spot that warrants a lot of production. And then on the eye test, his his uh, his play dropped off, right? His his, uh, his explosiveness and just his general disruptiveness. And so there was that conversation already existing after the angle of Jernigan, you know, post-extension, post-injury just seems a little bit, you know, slower, a little bit less effective. Uh, and now with the situation you're currently in with, with 
uh, coming off of an ankle injury and coming off of a back injury. And like you said, for defensive linemen, for big guys to get twisted a lot uh, and they have to provide a lot of torsion stress through the, the obliques and through the core, uh, you know, back injury can be a real big issue. You know, that, that can eat into you and kind of, you know, really take away out of your career. So right now what we're looking at, Mike, is we're looking at, at Tim Jernigan costs essentially $3 million this, this season. And then the next three years on his four-year extension, we remember he got extended for four years, 48 mil. The next three years on that contract are essentially team options, you know, and, and what the, if, if Jernigan plays to warrant an 11 million, $12 million contract, that's, that's great news. Cause the Eagles have already prepared for having that cap on the books. And then, you know, uh, you've got a guy playing like an 11 million defensive tackle. That's always great news. But what's far more likely is that because Philadelphia is going to be in a tight contract situation, uh, and moving forward, Jernigan is such an easy cut that it's very likely he doesn't stay on this team, in my opinion, past 2018, right? And he would need to come out and really play. He would need to play very disruptively as the second best defensive lineman, right? So not even getting the premier looks or whatever, you know what I mean? Like maybe he's benefiting from not getting as many doubles as Fletcher Cox does, but still he's the second most talented guy uh, and, and he's going to be coming back off of injury. And so if he's not super effective in 2018 and he doesn't really get back to form he's a very very easy cut for a team that's going to need cap room uh and and so we're looking at a really weird situation for philadelphia in that they extended a guy for four years and then about seven eight months later he's looking like a an almost no-brainer cut within the next one or two years which is super weird i want to get your thoughts mike it would seem if he had this injury in March and Philadelphia restructured the contract that they would have known that they have a little bit more uncertainty at defensive tackle, yet it was not addressed in the draft at all. Is this surprising to you? It is absolutely surprising to me because we looked at a bunch of defensive tackles throughout the process, too. That was one of the positions they targeted and continued to target. When, when I did the official visit episode, uh, we had just signed Haloti Nada. And I was saying, if this trend continues, then they're still looking to add to this position because they're looking at it pretty heavy pre-signing Nada. They kept looking at that position, including bringing in, bringing in a guy like Bilal, Bilal Nichols from Delaware on an official visit and some other touches with some guys. So, yeah, I, I'm definitely surprised. It makes you wonder if that injury was not fully disclosed to the Eagles and, and maybe that's why things are being dealt with the, the way they are. And maybe that's something that they're going to touch on on episode 313. Like I said, we don't know. So you have to tune in that episode to find out if that's one of the situations. But, Ben, I if they knew... I am definitely surprised that they did not at least attempt uh, to bring in guys of that nature throughout the draft. Right, and and we should take a moment to just uh, a cursory glance to Bruce Hector, who's a a large uh, defensive tackle out of South Florida, uh, who they did bring in as an undrafted free agent, and they gave him the most guaranteed money out of all their free agents, uh, 60000 guaranteed, which is a, a, a very, very hefty number for an undrafted free agent, 60 guaranteed. Uh, and so they clearly are, are, there's potential there for them with Bruce Hector. They think that Hector is a guy who, who, who is worth spending the extra dollars to get into camp. And so there is Bruce Hector, but right. I, I would say that I was surprised that there was no defensive tackle pick if this was something they're aware of. And maybe we'll learn more about that as uh, media gets available to it. But looking forward, even when Bo Allen, uh, walked in free agency and went to Tampa Bay, some greener pastures, maybe some more starting time. That's good for Bo. Uh, we had to start talking about the young defensive tackles that are kind of in this big old, 
you know, cluster uh, that were behind Bo Allen and who could potentially be uh, a player to rise up and to earn some more snaps. So we had uh, Destiny Veo, uh, who was an undrafted free agent in the 2016 class out of Washington State. And then Aziz Shittu as well was a uh, undrafted free agent from Stanford in the same class, 2016. And then finally, last year's sixth round selection, uh, Elijah Qualls out of Washington. And, and Qualls was a guy who was the 121st player on my board. I would have taken him in a late three, early four location. And for him to drop uh, to the sixth round was a great value pick for Philadelphia. And Mike, I went back through the Dallas Cowboys tape today. That's as far as I've gotten into it. Just the one game, the, the week 17 game against the Cowboys in which our backups are playing against their starters. And to me, it's very clear that Qualls is the superior prospect between him and Veo. Shitu's just been on the practice squad. Uh, Veo and Qualls have both been guys who've been on the 53. Uh, Veo has been on the active 46. And now when there was the, the, the Fletcher Cox injury and there was room for a defensive tackle to be promoted, they brought up Justin Hamilton, who was more of a veteran at the time, from the practice squad instead of promoting Qualls. Uh, but then Hamilton was eventually snagged by the Chiefs, I believe it was. And so Qualls never got those reps, which he was a young player. It makes sense. And when you watch Qualls' tape, you see a, a very young and, and raw player. It's funny. I uh, When I watch Qualls' tape, this is what I think of. You know when you're like you're playing with, with like a little kid, you're playing with a little toddler, and you go to like you know like scare him and pretend to trap him. So you like make yourself real big. You're like, Rawr! and you like run up to him. That's how Elijah Qualls plays football. Okay, like he doesn't, really have a good idea yet of how to like get narrow and like when what timing is and like how to approach now it's really just like run up and roar uh and and he flashes some good stuff but what we see is just an exceptionally powerful young man playing at easily north of 300 pounds who has surprising quickness for his size but really what he can do very well is he can anchor against double teams relatively successfully he's still got to work in his technique otherwise he'll get moved back he can hold a gap very very well because he's got a nice blend of explosiveness and then that anchor and then as a pass rusher Mike he walked back Travis Frederick and he walked back Zach Martin both of them on multiple occasions right like when he's rushing the passer he can rush through you because he has enough quickness to establish half a man and then he has enough power to start generating a push on the pocket. And that's what's going to be what helps him see the field. I really think that's what separates him from Veo. As he learns how to work his hands better and get a bridle on that natural power, he's going to become a much better pass rusher. And here's an interesting fact for you, if I can jump in. For the 2017 preseason, I can't wait for you to see those games because Pro Football Focus, I haven't gone back to those games myself, but Pro Football Focus really liked his performance in the preseason. He was the top-rated defensive tackle Mm -hmm. for pass rush productivity, their metric. Uh, So he did very well in that area. And then also, uh, he was their third highest-graded defensive interior lineman of the entire preseason not just so that's that's both parts the run game and the pass rushing part of it so he definitely did flash in the preseason for us and it has me excited to go back and watch that tape of him no 1000 percent. and and the reason i haven't gone to the practice squad game uh, the the preseason games excuse me is simply because i uh i wanted to see him against the dallas cowboys starters before i wanted to see him against you know the new york jets oh, for scrubs sure. or whatever no yeah. but qualls is is um no, he's he's an exciting guy, and and it's spotty right now, and so you need to do uh, still consistent work with him. But with the, with you know this is a guy with a with a boxing background. He used to play in different positions uh, before he went to Washington. He's put on a lot of weight, you know, so he's got good uh, you know good hands and good attack. I, I'm a very big fan of Elijah Qualls and the and the way that he plays. And I think that what we'll see in the preseason is that that natural power and that natural explosiveness, which is a really nice blend of traits, is going to show up as he just bullies people. 
right? And so, get, like I said, getting a bridle on that bully, you know, not just like being a big old grizzly bear, but being a grizzly bear with a target. A grizzly bear with a plan. This is what's going to make Qualls, you know, take a step forward. But as of right now, I can comfortably say that assuming he takes a second year step forward, which is not a, a unreasonable assumption, Elijah Qualls should be able to provide meaningful rotations, rotational snaps. He should absolutely be able to provide good defensive tackle two snaps. Now, you know, with with Jernigan out, you're talking about uh, you know Fletcher Cox and Haloti Nada as as defensive tackle one, defensive tackle two. Elijah Qualls at a defensive tackle three right now probably isn't the greatest thing that you want to hear. Obviously, Philadelphia's going to try to rotate some of their Michael Bennett's and some of their Brandon Graham's into the interior when they can because their edge group is so strong. But I, I would still certainly understand, uh, you know, bringing in, uh, bringing in a Jonathan Hankins, bringing in a Nick Fairley, bringing in a Tyba Rubin is a good option as well. Just a guy, a veteran who will bring you another presence and keep Qualls at defensive tackle four. But I firmly believe that Qualls is going to, Went out over Veo in camp, Veo in camp, and he's gonna make himself the clear, you know, young guy in that second defensive line rotation to take meaningful snaps. Which would be awesome. Which would save a. I mean, if if it doesn't work out, obviously we we hope that Jernigan is okay. But if he doesn't, to have that contingency plan and to be so much cheaper in that area when when we're up against it constantly with the cap and are going to continue to be, uh, we are going to continue to spend our cap to the limit because that's the whole point of having yeah. it, right? And you want to know? And and let's let's not forget. Shout out to Matty Ice, your boy Matt Ryan, uh, who just made himself Ooh. a cool one hundred million dollars. Uh, which, okay, here's the thing. He didn't actually make 100 mil because that's allegedly guaranteed, but I guarantee you some of it is like guaranteed for injury or what have you. And like, it's not, right. I would be surprised if it's a whole 100 million guaranteed. But Ryan, with a five year extension, 100 million guaranteed, 30 mil per year, just means that Carson Wentz is going to cost an actual treasure chest. He's going to cost a legitimate pirate's treasure. It's going to be like Harry Rosen's got to snorkel down into the Atlantic, find a treasure chest, and bring it back up to sign Carson Wentz. So the reality is that, like, wherever Philadelphia can save money moving forward, they should really try to save money because it, you know, it's coming down the mountain. Yeah. I really missed an opportunity, man. Like what with what I should have done with my life, I should have been a Pro Bowl quarterback. I had no idea that they were going to get paid like yeah, this. Yeah, unbelievable! In the future. I wish somebody had told me. You know, I'll oh, go be a doctor, be a lawyer. <laughs> no, throw footballs really far. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so Maddie Maddie Ice gets paid. Good for him, man. He's a good quarterback. Uh, Carson Wentz is definitely going to cost a whole lot of money. That's coming down the road, so we don't have to deal with that just yet. But the, the sooner we can get it done would be cool because uh, the price keeps going up. Anyway, what we were initially going to talk today before the news of Timmy Jernigan and Matty Ice dropped is we were just going to have some general draft thoughts, try to put a nice little bow on this thing, just kind of bounce around, have a free-flowing conversation about things we like, things we didn't like, things that stood out to us. Uh, one of the things that I pulled up while you were talking, Ben, was I wanted your opinions on this New England Patriots uh, draft class, because obviously uh, them being as much of a powerhouse as they have been for years, I understand they, they passed the baton to us. Uh, we are we are now the new dynasty. However, they are still lurking. They still have Tom Brady. They are still dangerous. What they did with their first three picks, especially, I really liked. So, twenty third overall, they bring in Isaiah Wynn from Georgia, who they okay. announced as a tackle. They have a definite need there after losing Nate Soldier in free agency. Even Nate Soldier isn't very good. Uh, at pick thirty one, 
they take Sony Michelle, despite the reports that he had a bone on bone issue or a mild mild arthritis issue is a, is how I think it was described, right. if I'm not mistaken, which is very similar to what happened to Jay Ajayi. We expected a big slip from him. However, he goes at 31, which was surprising. The third running back off the board after Rashard Penny, whatever. And then in the <laughs> second round, they take Duke Dawson, a guy that we had talked about leading up to the draft and had talked about in our nickel cornerback discussions as far as upgrading that position as a potential day two guy. He goes in the 24th pick of the second round, 56 overall. Duke Dawson from Florida, a very nice addition for them, especially after losing Malcolm Butler. Ben, do you think that this team, especially with the Michelle thing, because the Michelle thing seems like, I don't, I don't know how their doctors saw it, but mm-hmm. like it felt like, we don't care if the knee blows up in four years. We are trying to win now. So we're going to get that guy. It, it seems like anti-Belichick in the way that he usually approaches things. Right. Well, I uh, yeah, I fully agree with you with the um, the Sonny Michelle being a, listen, we only wanted him for one contract anyway. So we really, it doesn't stress us too much what he's going to be like, you know, for his second contract. That's not going to hassle us. Uh, especially be, I asked, actually, I put it out on Twitter, uh, the day following the, the draft's conclusion, I said, on average, uh, two out of the 32 first round picks do not complete their first contract with the team that drafted them and who are going to be those picks this year. And a, a resounding answer that I got was Sonny Michelle, simply because it's viewed that, right, uh, that Belichick's going to take him. He's going to be productive for three years. Then Belichick's going to trade him with one year left on his contract for a solid return. Like that, they, you know. Again, this is this is what Belichick just has, you know, going yeah. for him. This is uh, this is the uh, the mystique. I was I, I was a really big fan of the of two of the first three picks, the Duke Dawson pick and the Isaiah Wynn pick. I wouldn't have taken Sonny Michelle top thirty two. He, he you graded him much higher than me. And then you know, running back, I don't think was necessitated it. But as we saw in the Super Bowl, they needed a corner. Uh, and Duke Dawson is a fun guy because he can move inside and outside. Uh, you know, obviously they're still trying to riddle things out. Uh, you know, Jason McCourty, Stephon Gilmore, Eric Rowe—they've got pieces. Dawson's nice because he can play a lot of different places for you, so it helps you solve yeah. the riddle because you have interchangeability. What I was worried about them not selecting—you know, where, where I thought they had a weakness that should have been addressed with the uh, with the the Sonny Michelle pick—that's how I should say it—is that mm. they needed a linebacker. And then they their yeah. first their first two picks in round five and round six, which were their next picks following the 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 early selections that they had, they went and they got two. They got Jawan Bentley and Christian Sam out of Purdue and out of Arizona State. Bentley doesn't get me very excited. He's a heavy hitter, but he can't move. Christian Sam is a young man who I liked. I was a really big I fan. Like I'm a big yeah. fan of how he plays. Uh, injuries kind of marred his Sun Devil career, kept his stock a little bit lower, but he finally put together a healthy season his senior year, and I was impressed by it. Uh, and then, of course, they drafted Braxton Berrios, which is just the dumbest. You know, it's just like perfect fitting the uh, the stereotypes. Since he well, was born. Danny Etling. D- Destin. Danny Etling. Oh, my God. Etling. Danny With Etling the Tom Brady is a punter. Danny Etling is a place kicker who's trying to play quarterback. He's not. He's so bad, Mike. He's so bad, but it's fine. Yeah. So, I know. I, I, I think the Patriots, they <laughs> acknowledged their needs well. They addressed them well. They drafted intelligently, as they always did. The fact of the matter is, they didn't have a super huge... They had the two first-round picks, but they didn't have any round three or round four selections. And so, to me, yeah. it, it's they got, you know, three guys who are going to be starters for them, but then there's not a, a lot behind it. But, you know, they're always good at getting role players, and, and you know, Barrios is going to give them something. Ryan Izzo is going to give them something. I'm sure they'll be fine. I want to ask you this, Mike. This is my... um. You know, lob it back to you. I want you to to pick for me an offensive rookie of the year. I want you to pick for me a defensive rookie of the year. 
offensive rookie of the year, defensive rookie of the year. I mean, the the odds for Geis, Penny, Michelle, those are things I'm very comfortable with. However, maybe a quarterback that starts right away. Baker's not going to start right away in Cleveland. We know that for a fact. Mm-hmm. Tyrod Taylor has the job there. Hugh Jack- even though he was going to bench both of them a combined 16 times throughout the season. The, the, uh, uh-huh. the Baker over under for game started is 9.5. What are you taking? I'm going to take the under. I'm going to take the under. Yeah, I, I think that team is good enough with Tyrod in place as far as trench play and, and just being able to stay in games that I think he doesn't get benched until about midway point of the season. I would say I would put it at eight games. See, here's here's the, the conversation around when Baker starts is this. It's how early in the season does a pretty decent Browns roster keep them into a game and then Tyrod like, I don't want to say loses it, but doesn't do enough to win it because that's kind of been Tyrod's right. career arc. Is that's he's conservative, you, right? Exactly. So, how early does that game happen? Because once that game happens, the boulder's going to get pushed down the hill and there's no stopping it. Because Cleveland yeah. fans who finally, like, now maybe sort of believe that this is it and they first overall pick Baker Mayfield, here we go. The second Tyrod quote unquote loses them a game that it's unstoppable. So it depends on how early you see it happening. And to me, it's going to happen early enough that I think we can see Baker in there very quickly. I think they're going to, I think the, that team is going to fall in love with him in camp because Baker is the sort yeah. of guy who you love. Like we saw him in practices for the senior bowl. He is a fun yeah. dude to practice with because he's yeah. nuts. He's crazy. Yeah. He's an awesome time. So I really <laughs> think they're going to fall in love with him in OTAs in camp. And then it's just going to be kind of inevitable. Once you have a good excuse to pull Tyrod, I think you pull him. Well, the interesting thing is that they were talking about how they had uh, one of their executives saying that Sam Darnold was the number one on their board or his board for months. And it wasn't until he met Baker face to face where he was like, yeah, I'm changing all of that. I'm all in on Baker because he does have that infectious attitude. And if you don't hate him. You love him. He's just like that. And, and it's the same thing with with people on Twitter that talk about him. You either love him or you hate him. I personally love him. I'll I'll make a statue of him grabbing grabbing his crotch as he, if he's able to Shake bring him, back Cleveland it, to prominence. <laughs> uh, Sam Darnold's not going to start right away. In uh, do you think Sam Sam Darnold starts right away in New York? I'm just trying to figure out who from the offense here because Josh Allen is not going to be rookie of the year. He has literally. Right. No one around him. Well, here's here's what's amazing <laughs> is that Josh Allen is as I think the likeliest of the five quarterbacks to start the most games, and yet he's the least yeah. ready to start in 2018. Just everything is yeah. backwards. Buffalo, I'm gonna, I'm gonna Buffalo go was with... the worst situation for a quarterback to land, and Allen landed there. He he was the worst quarterback for that worst situation, and that's where he went. It's yeah. unbelievable. I'm gonna go with Darius Geis for my offensive player oh, of the boo. year. Uh, I I think uh, I, I think I you know what. I love the guy. I love the guy. And if my evaluation on him is right, if the Redskins offensive line is healthy, here's the thing. Guys can be offensive rookie of the year and they can still go eight and eight because they're going to kick a whole bunch of field goals because Alex Smith can't push the ball downfield. Running games don't make all that much of an impact on a game. And you know, I love running backs. You know, I talk about running backs all the time just because I love evaluating the position. But yeah, I'm going to go with Darius guys for for rookie of the year, the offensive side of the ball. Man, if you're telling me that Chubb isn't going to rack up a whole lot of sacks with Von Miller on the other side of him, uh, I think you're a little bit crazy. And I think that's what I am going to scrolling, scrolling, standby, standby. Oh, Rashawn Evans is kind of sexy right there, but they brought in a linebacker. You're talking about a linebacker defensive rookie of the year? No, no, no. 
No, no, no. Because okay, so they brought in they brought in Landry, right? Yeah. So they they needed an edge rush. If they didn't bring in Landry, I would expect that that Rashawn Evans gets a lot of snaps on the edge. So he's going to get a ton of tackles, and then he's going to get like five or six sacks, and maybe some forced fumbles or whatever. Many, That's what like, I'm saying. How many he's going to have an instant. Do you have to have as a rookie to get like attention for defensive rookie of the year when for an off ball linebacker, if you have a. If, if if you if you're a linebacker and you have 120 tackles and you force some and you force some fumbles, you get some strip sacks and you maybe get a pick or two and you get like five or six sacks, you make a huge impact on a playoff team. I'm just putting it out there. I think he has a good impact on that team. I'm gonna go Bradley right. Chubb. I'm okay. gonna go with the first thing that I said. If not, it's Roquan Smith, an off ball linebacker. Suck it, Ben. I don't care. Okay, wait. wait. So here's the, I'm trying to look. Okay, so Keekley was the defensive rookie of the year in 2012. Thank um, you. Well, I know. I'm trying to. Panthers coaches credited him with a franchise record 205 tackles, Mike. Which obviously, okay, that's the Panthers staff. Keekly led the league. Keekly led the league with 164 tackles, along with eight PBUs, one sack, two interceptions, three fumble recoveries. That's what you need to do as a linebacker. You think Rashawn Evans is getting 164 tackles, Mike? I think the Titans will accredit him with 164 times. The pa- okay, that was the it's league. The, the league accredited ever. them with 164. The Panthers tried to accredit him with 205. Dude, you get a pinky toe on someone laying on the ground after the snap, they're going to credit you with a tackle. Ugh, no way a linebacker <laughs> is getting defensive rookie of the year. Okay. I, just, I just said that Bradley Chubb is going to get it. Yeah, so I, I want just, you to calm down. I was just thinking of the option because I really like that fit. Mm-hmm. I really like what Evans brought. I, I like the idea behind that because they needed pass rush. They needed a linebacker, and they got a little bit of both, which was cool. I just really like that pick. I'm sorry, for I'm sorry, Ben. I look good draft picks. That's, that's my thing. That's my brand, okay. liking good draft picks. Ben. Who do you think is going to be offensive rookie of the year? <laughs> offensive rookie of the year, I'm taking Nick Chubb out of out of Georgia, playing for the Cleveland Browns. I think that offensive line like is it. a mauling offensive line, uh, and they can Good really pick. dominate. And I think that that Chubb is a fantastic pro ready back. I think that you know, I think with Barkley, you have concerns about like you know immediate translation as far as a runner goes, especially right. behind that line where he can make some silly mistakes and some and some foolishness. I think Nick Chubb is is what what we always talk about because you and I have discussed rookie of the year and coach of the year so many times because they're fun things to talk about. It's all about narratives, right? It's all about narratives. Yeah. And Nick Chubb coming back from the from the knee uh, and then in a place like Cleveland, which has been so devoid of talent, I think if Nick Chubb is a good player there, which I expect him to be, and he's productive in year one, which I expect him to be, and he takes over bell cow reps, which I expect him to, then Nick Chubb is my offensive rookie of the year for that reason. My defensive rookie of the year, yeah, it's very likely that it, I think Bradley Chubb is probably going to be the favorite uh, because I think he's going to be very productive outside of Von Miller as well. But if I'm going to go for a different guy, obviously we could talk about Denzel Ward, and it would be crazy if Cleveland were to have two defensive rookies of the year, one uh, you know on offense and on defense. That would be so exciting for them and for that franchise. But I will take Jairi Alexander. I'll take Green Bay Packers corner Jairi Alexander. Because here's here's the thing about Alexander. He is less consistent than Ward is. And I had Alexander higher, remember. Uh, But Alexander is less consistent than Ward. But Alexander is a better playmaker. And better playmakers show up in the stat sheets. Right, and so Alexander, right. in his first year, in my opinion, is far more likely to rack up interceptions and pass breakups than any of the the you know Denzel Ward, Mike Hughes, you know uh, uh, who else was drafted? Carlton Davis was drafted pretty early. Any of those early corners, Josh Jackson, even his teammate Alexander is the one that I anticipate will put up the best numbers, and then that would bring him to Defensive Rookie of the Year. Another guy coming off injury as well. So Nick Chubb, Jerry Alexander, put the money down. You heard it here. Get this Roquan Smith garbage out of here. 
<laughs> uh, hey, Ben, go to round three. I have a challenge for you. We're going to pick an offensive rookie of the year and a defensive rookie of the year from round three. We can only use round three picks. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I, I like, like this. this. I For my offensive rookie of the year, I'm going to go with Royce Freeman with the Denver Broncos. I think he wins that job. Oh, I've got mine. And I think he's very, very productive for that team. He's going to be a lot better than Devontae Booker, who averaged 3.5 yards per carry. I know there's some issues on that offensive line. I get that. Uh, bringing in a competent quarterback, uh, Case Keenum, doesn't exactly excite me all that much, but it's a lot better than what they've had. There's going to be more stability with that situation. Royce Freeman, classic zone runner. Not going to blow your butt off with his athleticism, but he's got sweet feet. He's got good vision. He's got good contact balance. I think he wins that job and gets a ton of carries. So my money is on him for offense. Do you have anybody for offense yet, or should I talk about defense? No, I've got my guy for offense, but I have a question for you. Who is your comp for Royce Freeman? Do you have a comp for him? Comps are for, as we say in the Scouting Academy chat, for FU. I'm not even going to finish that, but I, I'm not a big comp guy. I, I, For some reason, it just... I think there's so much bias and so much recency bias, especially with my weird, distorted brain to try to filter that through my brain and, and spit it out. They also get you in a lot of trouble. And I understand that I've, I've used a couple of comps before, but I don't know, man. I think Royce Freeman runs like Royce Freeman, and I'm totally fine with Royce Freeman being a good football player at the next level in that system. So I don't I necessarily need a comp. You know what I mean? No, I got you. I, the reason I ask is because I comped Royce Freeman to Jonathan Stewart, and I think that Stewart has found a lot of nice. success in very similar rushing attacks to what Denver's running. And so I think that, yeah, yeah. Royce Freeman could be a guy who's instantly productive. I'm going to take Dallas Cowboys wide receiver Michael Gallup. And let me tell you why I'm going to take Dallas Cowboys wide receiver Michael Gallup. Because 45% of the targets from the 2017 offense for the Cowboys is not there anymore. And that's insane. Yeah. Jason Witten and Des Bryant are gone. That was 45% of the targets, Mike. That's almost half. That's 5'11s. That's nuts. And so somebody's <laughs> got to catch those footballs. Right? And I don't know about you. I don't think Alan Hearns is getting a massive chunk of 45%. I don't think Rico Gathers, this basketball center out of Baylor, is ready enough for a big percent. Michael Gallup, to me, who is a very pro-ready prospect coming out, who I think is in a good fit to be a possession guy, is a good chance to be a 90-catch receiver as a rookie. Right? I think he's going to get yeah. a big share of those targets. So Michael Gallup, I think, is a very fun pick in the third round. And I'm happy that you asked this third-round question because now this is on record. I'm going to remember this episode. And when Michael Gallup's getting Rookie of the Year talk, I'm going to come back and I'm going to rub it in your face. But anyway, uh, my defensive Rookie of the Year will be Sam Hubbard, uh, the edge that, that went to Cincinnati. Uh, is that you as well? You stole mine. Right. Yeah, so you stole mine. Him, him with Carl Lawson on the other side? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. And what, what, when, we really, when we really look at this this third round that we're kind of restricted to, there's only one. There's only two corners that went off the board. There's Tracy Walker. Uh, the young man in Louisiana Lafayette who went to Detroit, and I think he's a good, talented player, but I think there's a lot of a lot of people there. And then Rashawn Galden, who's the corner out of Tennessee, went to Carolina, who had literally one one interception last year, and it was off a deflected ball. He's not a ball production guy. That's never been his thing. And then when we go to the edges, which is, I think, the other place you can look for defensive rookies of the year, right, it's Arden Key, who maybe that becomes a thing, and then it's uh, Lorenzo Carter for the Giants. That one could get interesting, but I think Hubbard is a lot more pro-ready. Uh, and then also Rasheem Green, I think, is in here as well. Uh, the the Seattle Seahawks, you know, and, and he's just so raw and everything like that. So Sam Hubbard will be the guy that I take because he's polished. He'll be productive. I, I evaluated him as a, you know, a close to round one value, a round two player, but a close to round one value because he was an edge. Uh, and I think that he's ready to come in and be a six to eight sack guy. And so maybe if he goes and he hits that ceiling and he gets close to 10, 
uh, in his first year, which would be a big surprise, certainly. But if he's able to, Cincinnati uses their edge rushers in weird ways, but maybe they maximize Hubbard, uh, then he would be impressive. Don't sleep, however, Mike, on Nathan Shepard, Fort Hayes State. I was thinking him too. He could be extremely productive, but he's got things that that he needs to work on. The thing is with him, he's already going to come in uh, really bursty and really explosive, and his ceiling is crazy high for what he is. He gets some NFL coaching. I just think it's going to take him another year. It would not surprise me if he produces this year. I think it's going to take him another year, but I really like his ceiling. I was really high on him. He was like 26th on my board overall. Mm -hmm. All right. My my challenge to you now: scroll down to round seven. Find me, oh boy. Uh, find me a player who gets uh, signed to a second contract, who becomes a long term player in the league in round seven. Uh, I can already tell you, it's a guy that we talked about the other day, Trey Quinn, uh, the wide receiver for the Washington Redskins. I think he sticks on that roster. He he was was he drafted by the Redskins or the Falcons? They have him listed as the Falcons. Maybe they didn't change the order. He was with. The Redskins. It was uh, it was a trade through Atlanta, through Los Angeles, and then right. he ended up with the Washington Redskins. He was Mr. Irrelevant. So I'm going to go with Trey Quinn. Uh, like I said on the other show, man, he's going to be really productive. Uh, he fits that system well for what they want to do with uh, Alex Smith throwing the ball. As as far as like another guy who's going to get a second contract with the same team or a second contract in general, he's going to be he's going to be viewed as a starter. You know what I mean? He's going to get signed to a second contract to like play a position as a starter. Gotcha. It's definitely not Danny Etling with the Patriots because he is terrible. Jordan Mailata, offensive tackle, go, Australia. I was. Ju- I just. I love I just how they have him listed Mailata. as Australia. I think that's the funniest thing in the world. <laughs> um, the other one I would go with. You know, I'll will take a shot on uh, Richie James, the wide receiver from Middle Tennessee that went to the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, I, I worried about his, and it's in the inside the pylon draft guide. Uh, I argued against bumping his grade down a little bit because I was really worried about his uh, play strength at the next level, him holding up. Uh, but I think he's pretty detailed as a route runner. I think he's got the intelligence to to do something in an in a Earhart Perkins type system. I think he's that heady of a player. I think Kyle Shanahan, if he finds something there, is going to find a way to use him and utilize him, and he will have a a, a decent career. Auden Tate. Auden Tate went three picks earlier than Traquan Quinn to the Cincinnati Bengals. And Auden Tate is slow. Okay, Auden Tate is a slow <laughs> human being. I'm going to acknowledge this. But he has fantastic ball skills. He's, he's, he's an excellent contested catch receiver. Uh, he's great at tracking the football down the field. And he's super young, right? And so he's going to be a guy who continues to grow and who continues to get better year in and year out. And when we're talking about where he ended up, he's in Cincinnati, Mike. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you a secret. Not many people in the league know this, but I'll leave you a little inside information. Cincinnati Bengal wide receivers suck. <laughs> Outside of AJ Green, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Okay, well, yeah, no, AJ Green is the man, but Mike, they picked a wide receiver at nine last year, and they're already trying to make him a cornerback. That's the situation right now. That is how dire things are in Cincinnati. And so you got AJ Green and Brandon LaFell, and even LaFell isn't a thrilling guy. And then it's Tyler Boyd, it's Cody Core, it's Josh Malone, it's Kermit Whitfield. It's a ton of these, you know, uh, these guys in the past two years who are just. Whitfield was a running back. Possession receivers. No, <laughs> there's no big bully guys there that really worry me. Maybe Malone a little bit, the kid out of Tennessee, but that's about it. I think Auden Tate can very clearly fit a niche for these guys, which will get him on the field. And then assuming that he's able to be the bully that he was in college to some NFL corners, then he's certainly going to be a player who's worthy of further contracts. And and and, and, to, and to me, Auden Tate was a third-round player went in the seventh round. So Auden Tate would be my guy in the seventh round. Yeah, he's interesting. I was talking about somebody with remember remember when we talked about him and I said that I don't even think he's a day two player. 
And uh, you kind of you kind of got on me for that one, and it's interesting. Yeah, because you were wrong, and so was the NFL. <laughs> Listen, okay, okay. He ran a four six nine. I don't care. He's like two hundred and twenty pounds. He's massive. He catches everything that's near him. Let's all calm down. So you think he's going to get bigger and stronger and faster? I think he's just going to eat more and 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 eat himself out of the league. Just a prediction. You never want to see a prospect fail. However, I do love being right. However, I do hope that I'm wrong in this situation I'm and that we don't bring him up, up again. Tate and tell him that you said he's fat. That's he, what I'm going to do. He already liked my tweet when I said that I wouldn't take him in, in day two. He saw he saw my tweet where I was talking yeah, about so him not being coming, a detailed runner. He's coming runner. to mess you up anyway. He's coming to clown, man. Yeah, I hope I hope I hope he does well and is able to clown me on Twitter. Uh, if that happens, my account will probably already be deleted at that point. So good luck, Auden, finding me, uh, Ben. We don't have anything planned for next week, but I do feel like we should talk about some questions from our listeners, our gentle, gentle listeners. So if you want to oh, give I'm this so down for that, yeah, man, Twitter mailbag, little counterpart mailbag action. Uh, let that right. simmer over the weekend. I'll put that in there like a uh, <laughs> like a like a crab pot on deadliest catch and uh, see what we collect over the weekend. I don't know that reference, to be honest with you. It's God, man, I. I, I, it's 20 seasons I have or something never now, and I've once had cable episode. television in my entire life fun fact well I just got a bunch of games for the summer so I probably won't see any more television as it stands dude Skyrim Fallout 4 Civilization 6 I just got PUBG uh far cry 5 I'm in trouble bro like I want to do like a bunch of assessments during the summer and do my NFL film work I may just end up playing video games and gaining like 40 pounds over the summer. It may happen. I have never once owned a gaming console besides a Wii when I was like 10, I'm pretty sure. You're a robot. That's why. You're a completely different a human robot. being. Yeah. Oh, I just, yeah? I just, I Is was that why you won't drink carbonated leave. soda? Because I guarantee if I poured carbonated soda on you that you would start to spark. I don't know what carbonation well, has to do to with like, it. I would start to like fry. And like yeah. <laughs> no, I was led to believe... And I think rightly by my father that the only reason the television should go on is because it's the weekend and there is currently a national football game being televised. And otherwise, it is a pointless device. And to me, that 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 logic tracked. Like, I'm sorry I just love the game, man. I'm sorry I love the game. Ben, say goodbye to the gentle listeners before I strangle you What's on What's up, gentle <laughs> listeners? Thank you so much for listening uh, to the Kisten Solak show. It's always a pretty good time. Uh, I've been Benjamin Solak on Twitter, at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. That's been Michael Kist on Twitter, at Michael Kist NFL. That's K-I-S-T. Uh, please, as always, uh, rate, review, and subscribe to all the shows on BGN Radio, but especially this one, uh, because we think it's pretty gosh darn good. Like Mike said, as we step into the offseason, the plans are a little bit less defined. Obviously, there's still some shakers and movers in the philadelphia organization with the whole timmy jernigan thing we didn't even talk about doug peterson man extended contract picked up the option for dougie p new book new contract life is good get some ice cream congrats congrats to coach big fan of you never doubted you not even once not Not even when you went for it for two in the ravens game in 2016 didn't even doubt you then i definitely didn't uh you're the man so way to be coach uh, but yeah, so as the offseason rumbles around, we'll just be responding to whatever comes through our way. Of course, on BleedingGreen.com, there's already a ton of rookie analysis and there's offseason evals. So Elijah Qualls and his film work will be going up so you can get better acquainted with some of these young players who may be making moves onto Philadelphia's roster. So as always, make sure you're following. Hit us up on Twitter. Ask us some questions. Engage in the conversation. Here's to a fun and fruitful offseason, man. We all we got. We all we need. Fly, Eagles, fly. <laughs>